Welcome to A Flame for Christ, homilies to set your heart on fire with love for Jesus Christ. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined us on Ordinary Time 3. So in today's first reading and gospel, we hear about this place called Zebulun and Naphtali. But what is this place and what makes it so significant? So all the way back when the chosen people, the Jews, were about to enter into the promised land, they divided up the land according to the 12 tribes. And so Zebulun and Naphtali were the two tribes who got the very northern reaches of the Holy Land. Now, this was great land, but the neighbors were a little problematic because their territories bordered all the Gentile neighbors. And these Gentiles would often attack and oppress the Jews. And it was in Zebulun and Naphtali that they were taken into exile first. And so this was a land that had been decimated time and time again through all kinds of hostile neighbors. But you know, in Jesus' day, nobody called that land Zebulun and Naphtali because at that time, that land was not fully Jewish. Rather, Jews and Gentiles lived side by side in what what was now known as Galilee, where they lived in kind of a a tension, kind of an awkward uncomfortableness. So why does Jesus go up there then to start his public ministry? Because Jesus is specifically choosing to form a new Israel. This new Israel was not going to be based on 12 tribes, but rather 12 apostles. And so he goes all the way up to this place where Jews and Gentiles alike lived and worked together so that he could call out these 12 Jewish men to form a new Israel, which was going to include both Jews and Gentiles. And this new Israel is now known as the Catholic Church, which welcomes every nation into its fold. You know, it's amazing to think that our faith came down through the apostles. For example, there's evidence that St. John's preaching influenced then St. Polycarp. And St. Polycarp influenced St. Irenaeus, and all of these bishops kept influencing one another, preaching the gospel to one another, until that gospel got handed down all the way to our modern day and age. Not only does the faith get passed down, but also the sacrament of holy orders, ordination, gets passed down. For example, Bishop Caggiano was ordained by another bishop, Bishop DiMarzio, who was ordained by another bishop, by another bishop, another bishop, all the way back to the 12 apostles. So this lineage of ordination and of handing on the faith is called the apostolic succession because it goes all the way back and traces its lineage back to the apostles. And we say that every single week in the creed, right? I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, meaning that what we believe, teach, profess, and practice in our faith is in the same way that the apostles did. That's remarkable. Just as some evidence of that, around the year 150 AD, St. Justin the Martyr wrote a very famous document called the First Apology. Apology doesn't mean saying sorry. It means making an explanation for something. And this was the first real explanation of our Catholic faith and what we believe. And he describes how early Christians worshipped. Now listen to this description and see if you can find our Sunday Mass in this description. He says, On Sunday... We have a common assembly of all our members, whether they live in the city or the outlying districts. The recollections of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read as long as there's time. When the reader is finished, the president of the assembly speaks to us. He urges everyone to, to imitate the examples of virtues we have heard in the readings. Then we all stand up together and pray. On the conclusion of our prayer, bread and wine and water are brought forth. The president offers prayers and gives thanks to the best of his ability, and the people assent by saying amen. The Eucharist is distributed. And everyone receives communion, and the deacons take it to those who are sick. The wealthy, if they wish, may make a contribution, and they themselves decide the amount. Does this sound familiar? Literally everything we do every Sunday was present in the early church. We gather on Sunday, read the Old Testament and the Gospels, 
we have the homily, the prayers of the faithful, offering of bread and wine, the Eucharistic prayer, reception of Holy Communion, and even the collection. And so our faith is essentially unchanged since the earliest days of the church, stemming from the apostles. Now, why is this important? For three quick reasons. First, in today's world, a lot of people say, well, you know, it doesn't matter what religion you belong to, or you don't even have to belong to a religion as long as you just believe in Jesus. But that's actually not the case. If we follow Jesus, we should also be following the institution that he himself established for the handing on of his teachings. You know, our choice of religion should not depend on personal preference, but on what faith is still connected to the teachings and the unbroken line of succession with the apostles themselves. Yes, it's true, you know, that if you go to many other Christian communities, many other Protestant denominations, you might have, you know, more upbeat music or better preaching or a more welcoming community or more dynamic activities, but only the Catholic Church has apostolic succession, guaranteeing that valid sacraments and authentic teachings are handed down from generation to generation. You know, as Catholics, we recognize and respect all that is true, good, and beautiful in our Protestant brothers and sisters, but we also recognize that we have the fullness of truth, beauty, and goodness in our Catholic faith. You know, a second reason why apostolic succession is so important is because, you know, a lot of people clamor for the church to kind of change its teachings, and especially on controversial issues. You know, we got to, quote-unquote, get with the times. But I really think the church's role is to hand on the faith of the apostles. Being grounded on the apostles means that the church is the one stable bulwark against the constantly shifting sands of our modern age. And when it seems like everything in the world is up for grabs, it's nice to stand firm on something that is as unchanging as the teachings and traditions of the apostles. Finally, though, a last reason why I think apostolic succession is so important, so needed for our faith to be grounded on the apostles is because it allows us to be proud of our faith. I know over the last 20 years, it's not been easy to be Catholic, and some of the leaders of our church have done some terrible things, but we have plenty of reason to be proud of our Catholic faith because we are the new Israel, the new chosen people of God, based on not the 12 tribes, but the 12 apostles. You know, the Jews had plenty in their history that was imperfect, but their joy at being a son or daughter of Abraham was based on the fact that God had chosen them. That alone made them proud of of who they were. And we too, although we've had many, many sinners in the history of our church, but we know that we are still the bride of Christ and that we are still the true faith started by Jesus Christ upon the apostles who were our first bishops. And that is worth being proud of. You know, my friends, Our God is a God of order, not a God of chaos. Although many people look down upon organized religion, God knew that he needed to establish an organized church to get his mission accomplished, the mission of spreading the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, his mercy and our new life to the ends of the world. And how blessed we are then to be a part of that new chosen people, the Holy Catholic Church.